Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. My name is Dave Votom. My wife Karen and I came to the Sheepfold Life Group uh, June of uh, 2021. I am Sue, and I have been in Sheepfold for, I think, 16 or 17 years. Our people range in age from mid-70s to late 90s. Um, in our class, we have learned many, many things. We have learned that we can be emotionally and spiritually supportive of one another, even if we've never met you before. You are welcome here. The first thing I would want to mention is that I was immediately accepted and and appreciated and liked by the people in Sheepfold. The whole group gathers and gets together and, and they hug and they shake hands and they greet one another. It's their fellowship time. These people have been together as a group for decades and they are like family to each other. You will hear music. You will hear uh, harmonicas that go with the piano. People start gathering around the piano and sing a little bit. Other folks will be, it's just like a, a, a wonderful fellowship time. We usually start with um, music in some way, either a hymn that we sing uh, with the piano or uh, a videoed hymn that we can sing along with the video or just listen to it. And we use the, the old hymnal that the church used to use, and we love those hymns. They're very important to us. We'll do a few hymns every Sunday out of that hymnal. Usually then we'll bring up somebody to lead in prayer and collect any new uh, praises or prayer requests and uh, then lead us in prayer. Sometimes that, that person will read a devotional or a poem that they've got or something that has really been meaningful to them. I think many times that we've um, sat down and prayed for staff. We've prayed for the Salem Free Clinic, what we heard about just weeks ago because we're people that step up. And we end up saying, how can we help? Um, right now in Romania, we took money and put it together and sent it over there to open up um, some missionaries children's summer camp buildings. Thing that, another thing that has meant a, a lot to me is the quality of the teachers. Many of the speakers that come to us challenge us and we love to challenge back and ask questions. I would say that my favorite dimension of Sheepfold experience is the fellowship in the Lord that I have with uh, the other members in the class. And that gets uh, richer practically every week. Sheepfold Life Group is like a family. Sheepfold is caring. That challenging. About belonging. Encouraging. About loving. Isn't that a great video? 
I love some of our old saints in the church. I love getting to hang out with them. Sheepfold is meeting right now, which is sitting there before this, and uh, just good people to be around. We celebrate the multi-generational nature of our church, and uh, glad you're here this morning. To those of you joining us on live stream, welcome again. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here at Sam Alliance, and we are in the middle of a, a series called Life with Jesus Together and on Mission. We are just recentering ourselves, remembering just our vision as a church is to be a city at peace with God. Everything we do, we look through that lens, and we have a mission statement that I hope you're becoming familiar with. Actually, we'll put it on the screen. Would you read it with me? We exist to exalt Jesus Christ, become his fully devoted followers, and share his grace and truth with all people. We're launching these new values that we just take very seriously around here as well, Life with Jesus, which we talked about last week, just this concept that we get to behold who he is, his glory, his goodness, and everything we do starts from there. And now we're talking about life together next week. I'll be sharing about life on mission. But this morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to do life together. I'm defining life together as this, engaging in intentional community where love, growth, and spiritual gifts are experienced. Since moving back from the U.S. six years ago to the, from the Middle East, one of the things that I noticed when I just re-entered into U.S. society was simply that a lot of people talked about wanting community, but it honestly seemed that a lot of people were refusing to put in the hard work that it takes to get authentic community. It kind of struck me, and it began to just wonder, why is that? Why is it that some people just aren't, they just don't see, like, it's got to be an investment to keep it going, to cultivate it, to maintain it? And I just began to kind of ask that question. And today, it's my hope to kind of talk to you why life together is worth that investment, why it is so important for us to be together. You see, we are made to be in community. And Jesus modeled it. That's kind of the basis of, of our talk this morning. But we're made to be in community. A few, maybe two months ago, my wife Jess started to get into this show called Alone. Anybody here watch the show Alone? For those of you who don't know about the show Alone, it's the show where they take these survivalists, I think they start with 12, and they just kind of put them in these random areas way out in the wilderness, in the cold Pacific Northwest. They try to find places where they're going to be cougars or grizzly bears or, or something that could attack them, and they give each of them two cameras, and they have to document their journey, and they have a radio that they can call and, and, and get rescued if they need to, but it's going to take like eight hours for for the rescue to get there. I don't understand how it works. Anyway, she really started to get into this show, enough that she wanted to take like foraging classes and force our family to go camping and cook only over like an open fire and stuff like this. But I began to sit and watch this show with her. And, and, and it's a fascinating show. But what was fascinating about it was that a lot of people actually, they tap out not because they're on the verge of starvation because the fish aren't biting or they're not able to shoot an animal. They tap out because they're lonely. They tap out because we're made for community. And at 30, 40, 50 days, you start to just have this, you're, you're in your mind too much and you need that community. It's why, it's why solitary confinement is a punishment. We're made for community. God knew that. He created Adam and he said it's not good for him to be alone and he created Eve. And so it's important that we even just start there and say it's something innate in us. We are made for community. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, even you introverts, you're made for community. I'm telling you, it's true. 
But Jesus also modeled what it means to do true community. See, even before he took the bodily form and the person of Jesus, we see clearly in Scripture that there was a beautiful community that existed between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that community was there. But when Jesus came to earth, he modeled community oh so well. In fact, probably next to the crucifixion, the most common scene that is depicted by artists is simply the Last Supper. Here's a picture of one of the depictions of the Last Supper. I love it. But Jesus did community. He traveled in community. He ate in community. He exemplified it so well. He did life together, whether it was with his inner three, with his inner 12, or with his 72. He was always doing life in community. And we are called to do the same. Yet, For many of us, we struggle. We struggle to find true, authentic community. Understandably, we can see why. You see, Jesus existed in a culture that was very different than ours. In our current day, our culture programs us to be individualistic and consumeristic. And it's difficult. In fact, those of us that are on social media, we are continually facing algorithms that put us around people that are more like us than are different than us. And so we're told to watch out for ourselves, to strive for comfort, and to discover this exclusive, segmented community that fits our checklist that we will be ultra-comfortable whenever we're around. But my question is, how's that working for you? See, we, the church, are called to be countercultural in this. We're called to be the opposite of this. Paul Tripp, an, an author that I, I love to read, he says this, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving, humble inter- interdependency with others. I love this sentence. Our lives were designed to be community projects. He goes on and says, yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves, so we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when people around us point out a weakness or a wrong, and we hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources God has given us. The resources that Tripp is speaking about are the people of God. It's your brothers and sisters in Christ. They are such a resource to us that challenge us, that allow us to become better people, to become blameless before the Lord. And so today I want to talk to us about what it means to do life together because life together is the antidote of what the culture is giving us. To frame this discussion, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. You can turn there if you want in the pew Bibles in front of you. I'm also going to put it on the screen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is near. This is the word of the Lord. There is so much that we can discuss from these two simple verses. But let me simply start by saying true community is difficult, and at times it can be uncomfortable. If you're in a community and it's never uncomfortable, can I just tell you, you might be in that casual or shallow community that Paul Tripp was talking about. That's the simple, honest truth. 
And I believe that there's more for you. And I think that's the main invitation that we see here today. I mean, we see the author of Hebrews, Hebrews, he says, let us think of ways, which right there is an invitation to creativity, an invitation to be creative and innovative as followers of Christ. Let us think of ways to motivate one another towards acts of love and good works, to motivate. Personally, I think that motivate is a pretty weak translation of the original language here. Many translations say to spur one another, to spur. And if you think about to spur, like with a horse or, or whatever, to spur, to, to push forward. But even that, I believe, just kind of misses the mark. Really, a literal translation of what the author is saying here is this, to cut one so that they are forced to respond, to cut one so that they are forced to respond. Get a piece of paper out, grab the finger of the person next to you, and I want you to give them a paper cut right now, right? It, it, it's, it, this is an intense thing. It's a challenge to push people towards change, towards, towards just really making a difference in their lives. All God's people said, ouch. And, and, and what I want us to understand here is that we are forced by others to grow, respond, and act. We're forced to look into a mirror and become more self-aware when we are around other people. Because honestly, that's the goal of growth, of, of groups. The goal of groups is to grow. It's not our comfort. It's to grow and become more like Christ. And that growth truly cannot happen without others. When I hear people say, oh, I'm done with the church. I love Jesus, but I'm done with the church. I say, oh, I get why the church might bother you, why you're upset with it. But please get in community because that truly is the only place that true growth can happen. That's where we are tutored by one another. That's where we receive the resource that our brothers and sisters are as they bring encouragement, as they bring accountability, as they raise levels of self-awareness and bring that counseling that we so badly need. To settle for anything else is shallow belongingness. We are called to sharpen one another. It's hard. But friends, it's so worth the investment. In his classic book called Life Together, what an original title, Bonhoeffer says this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. This is brilliant. You see, so many of us love the idea of community. But are we willing to make the investment? Are we willing to love others? I believe that if you're out there and you're looking for community, but you have no desire to be challenged or grow in Jesus, honestly, I hope that you struggle to find a community group, a life group here at Sam Alliance. Because I want our groups to be groups that challenge one another that make disciples, not just creating clubs of comfort. So I hope that you feel welcomed and loved, but I hope that you enter a group and you're challenged to those fierce and uncomfortable conversations that always flow from deep love and respect. What I'm trying to get at is that it's important for us to be part of groups, not clubs. It's important for us to be part of groups, not clubs. Because church, there is a difference. There's a difference. And so this morning, I want to share three characteristics that I see that are important, that characterize what our life groups are, especially in light of our passage here in Hebrews. The first thing I see is that groups are filled with humility and reciprocity. Groups are filled with humility and reciprocity. Groups are collective. They're tribalistic. 
They're not consumeristic. They're actually covenantal. You're making a commitment to be with these people. Having lived in a collectivistic society, I can just tell you, there's something beautiful about it. There's less people in need. There's, there, there, it's, just, it's honestly a more biblical way. You see, when you sign up to be part of a group, you are making a commitment to say, I am all in. I am unconditionally, unselfishly committed to the people here and they to me. It means being present consistently. As the author of Hebrews says, let us not neglect our meeting together. It means showing up and checking in on those that don't show up. And here's the deal. If we're to be honest, the, the, I've led many groups in my life, and there are many times where it's like, okay, it's Wednesday night, we're hosting group tonight, and I am so exhausted, I do not want to host groups, and okay, one of my kids has a sore throat, so there's the excuse, there's the way out, I'm just going to text everybody, look, hey, you know, I just, just because we love you so much, we don't want to get anybody's, it, it, and that temptation is always there, and it's so hard to overcome that, and Yet over and over, when you commit to it and you keep showing up and everyone else keeps showing up, rarely are times when everyone leaves and you say, I wish we had canceled. No, it's rich, it's good. And that's part of the covenantal relationship that we get to have with one another. So many of you do this well, and you need to hear me say this. As the Sheepfold video testifies, some of them have been doing life together for decades, and it is a good thing. But it takes humility. It takes reciprocity. We need to lay down our preferences in the ways that we think to be with others. I remember in the church I was pastoring in Boston, we were going to start all these life groups. And so we had a couple group leaders that got together, smaller church, about 120, and said, all right, we're going to do this. We started saying, I'm going to go talk to these two people and this couple and this person. And, and there was this one person that was kind of left out of the discussion. And I'm like, no, please, I don't want to take that person. I mean, they're allergic to eggs, which, first of all, messes up the whole dessert buffet type thing, right? So, like, I mean, that's weird enough, like, really. But there was just levels of social difficulties and awkwardness, and, and, and but we ended up taking that person into our group. And I'll tell you, those first couple of weeks were rough. They talked when they shouldn't have talked. They shared things that felt, at times, inappropriate for how well we all knew each other. But over time, over that next year, that person became a friend. That person didn't only become a friend. That person began to speak into my life. They began to share their testimony of what God had done in their life, the experiences that they had had that were so different than the experiences that I had had. And I began to realize that as I facilitate these conversations, I am learning so much from my friend. I had to repent of of my, my desire to not have this person or even push this person out of our group because now after I had laid down in, in humility my preferences, I was being blessed. I was being challenged. This is what groups are about. Everyone has a value add. The leader, the facilitator is also a learner. We challenge each other's thoughts. We laugh. We cry. We pray. We serve. We become one another's friends. And it's reciprocal. It's reciprocal, not just in how we listen to one another, but how we serve one another, how we get together and we fix that person's fence or or we help that person pack up when they're going to have a move or bring that meal to someone during a time of hardship. We do unto others as we would want them to do to us. It is reciprocal. Community grows naturally out of these shared experiences. And the more intense the shared experiences, the more beautiful and intense the community is. Community, groups, they always demonstrate reciprocity and humility. The second thing I see here is groups chase unity, not uniformity. Groups chase unity, not uniformity. 
They're all about us being formed, not conforming. Growth is the goal. It won't always be easy, but dividing, shutting down conversations, or pushing people out of the way that think differently than you and your group is not the way forward. We are a church that continually says we value love and unity. They are a foundation of us as a church, and it is true. I take us back to our conversation that we had on Pentecost, and Jesus modeled this so, so well. He put together just Simon the Zealot who was training with weapons to take out people like Matthew the tax collector. And he said, I know, Simon, this is the type of person that you would take out, but actually what I need you to do is be friends with this guy who has betrayed our Jewish people, who is ripping us off. I'm going to put you both in my inner circle. How does that happen? He puts them in the inner circle and somehow, because there's a banner over them that says follower of Jesus, they're able to do life together. They're able to become friends. They're able to serve and travel and break bread together. And we are called to do the same. Yet let's be honest, we are in a world that calls us to cancel one another. We are in a world that when we are challenged, our our justified, our proper expected response is to cancel the other, to get defensive, to power up, and then retreat and find those that agree with everything on our checklist. Our culture, it's getting worse with this, church. These algorithms that I talked about earlier are driving us to be segmented and find community that looks like you, votes like you, believes like you, is generally in the same economic sphere as you, and to reject anything different. Church family, we have an obligation to rise above this. And we're able to rise above this because of the banner that flies over us. Our unity in Jesus allows us to rise above this and bring people together. And we need to heal our culture of this. If you look around this room, and go ahead, look around this room. There's people in this room that make a whole lot more money than you do. And there's people in this room that make nowhere near as much money as you do. There's people in this room that English is not their mother tongue. There's people in this room that voted differently than you did in local and state elections. And honestly, even federal ones. And that's awesome. That is good. Scripture tells us in Galatians 3, 26 to 28, for you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Jesus Christ. You see, with the safety of Jesus as our unifier, we get to have conversations that most of our world cannot have. We don't live in an echo chamber where we're only hearing affirming statements. We actually get to be challenged by others. We get to embrace the richness of the diversity that is our church. And we can understand people that are different than us and even be challenged by their thoughts, their actions, and even some of the things that they believe. And that's good. That is worth celebrating. Life together, it involves humility and reciprocity, and it involves unity, not uniformity. And the third and final thing I see here is groups, they demonstrate to our city that what we have is different. They demonstrate to our city that what we have is different. 
You see, there's a lot of counterfeit community out there. There's a lot of community out there that's actually just like a club. It's kind of casual. It's kind of comfortable, but it doesn't make you better. And many, many appear that they have this community thing figured out. When you go on, on social media, on your phone, on your tablet, and you see these pictures and these wonderful just words spoken, and, and you say, oh, man, they ha- I wish I had that. I wish I had that. So often, though, friends, it's counterfeit. So often, these people are not meeting face-to-face, and we are created to be together face-to-face, to be embodied together in community. I mean, this is what even God models and how he communicates and that he is with us. He could have given us just his written word, but he did not. He sent his son to take the form of a human, to be there, to communicate with us. It's so much more. It's what we are created for. Our longing is more than images and words. We truly need to experience one another in close-knit circles. John 13, 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The way we interact, we the church, our life groups, is truly the visible representation of the gospel to our city. It is. When I was living in Jordan, my job was I was the director of a a non-government organization, an international nonprofit that offered a lot of opportunities for the citizens of our city. We did all sorts of things, handicraft projects, street markets to create tourism development, ESL classes, women's health classes, prenatal stuff, mobile veterinarian clinics. We did so many incredible programs. We got so many grants. We had such all these different things. And just as, as a follower of Jesus living in a, in a society that was predominantly Muslim, I just thought that that would just show people the love of this God that I serve, that I wanted them to know. And yet over and over, that's not what drew people to come and talk to me. What drew people to talk to me about what was different in my life and this, this God that I followed that was different than the one that they followed was simply how the teams that led these things interacted with one another. How our teams that carried out these programs handled conflict with one another. The way they encouraged one another. The way they gathered often together. The way they talked about one another when they were together and more importantly when they were not together. It was that love that those that were carrying this stuff out had for one another that was the greatest light to those who were watching. And the same is true for us as a church. How we live in community is our presence to our city. It is our light. It is our testimony. It is attractive to people because people want true, deep, authentic community. Community that motivates one another. Community that gives one another paper cuts and says, come on, we can do better than this. Come on, take a look in the mirror. Humility, reciprocity, unity in a community. When that is all happening in community, that is attractive and impactful to our city. And so this morning, I just want to give you a simple challenge. Two things. The first is this. If you are not in a group, get in a group. If you're not in a life group, get in a group. I encourage you to do so. This is where the growth happens. They say that cities are actually the loneliest place on earth. And honestly, the same could be said of big churches. You see, big churches, you can come in and sit in the back and you can head on out and, and you don't know anyone and you're not known, but you feel like you're checking a box and at least you're hearing a, some, some teaching and at least you're in the word of God and you're a part of corporate worship, but there's more for you. You need to be known and to know others. That's where the growth happens. And so can I encourage you, get in a group. How do you get in a group? There's multiple ways you get in a group. Go to the Welcome Center. We got pastors all over this place in the hallways this weekend. They'd love to help you get in a group. You can go online. We've got this new, like, 
life group uh, finder for you. You can just click on that. You can scroll through. See, we've got, uh, we've got over 100 groups going on. There's groups that meet in the church, that meet in homes all times of the week. And this thing is pretty slick, the way you can search. I want to meet in a group in Kaiser on Tuesdays. All right, let's see what's there for you. And it's a pretty amazing thing. But can I just encourage you? Another way to get in a group? Talk to some people that are sitting around you. Are you in a group? What's it like? Is there room in your group for one more? But I encourage you to get in a group. And here's the deal. I know that some of you are sitting there and you're saying, man, I tried to do this. I tried to do this last year. And I went to that group and those people were not my people. Man, I gave it two weeks. They were not my people. Can I just tell you, it's not always love at first sight. It's not. If I judge every group I've been part of, uh, like by that standard, it would not, I would not be in many groups. It's actually really good if you go and the people aren't your people because they're probably the people you need to be around. That's the diversity. Those are the people that can challenge you and that can help you grow. And so can I just encourage you, stick with it. Here's another thing that I hear, I hear quite often. I know none of you would ever say this, but man, I went to that group for like eight weeks and that first eight weeks was awesome. But uh, man, then I realized how broken those people were. Man, they're broken people in that group. They're, they're, they're a little off. The honeymoon phase was over. And can I say, you're probably broken too. When you realize how broken everybody is, the authenticity is starting to happen. You just hit the place where you actually need to go. People are starting to get the paper cuts from one another. People are starting to open up. Vulnerability is being discovered. So when you hit that point, understand you're just on the track. You're heading in a good direction. And growth and transformation for everybody in that group is about to take place. The second challenge that I I would give you is this. Make sure you're in a group, not a club. Some of you have been in groups for a long time, and if we're to be honest, it's gotten a little bit stagnant, it's gotten a little bit too comfortable, and somebody needs to be the spur. So would you be the spur? Would you be the one handing out the paper cuts, always in love, always with deep respect? But would you be the one to shake things up, to bring new levels of depth and authenticity and take us from being casual with one another to really talking about what's going on in our lives? True life groups have an incredible balance of invitation and a challenge. Acceptance, but pushing people to growth. If every life group we had is vibrant and truly motivating one another to love and good works, oh man, our city's in trouble. There's going to be an outpouring of Jesus and new levels of peace will be realized like never before. So be the spur. Some of you, you know this is you. You leave the group and if it's at church, you leave it and there's that parking lot conversation. That parking lot conversation where you talk about that couple or that individual that just kind of bothered you in that group right there, you need to be a spur. Some of you get in the car when you leave that house and you both look at each other, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that today. You need to be a spur. You need to go have coffee with that person and talk to them honestly about how that made you feel and get the backstory of why they said that. And you need to commit. And show up. No matter how busy life is, you keep showing up. There'll be nights when it's great. There's be nights when it's a little bit rougher. I do a date night with my wife every Wednesday night. We go out to eat somewhere in the city almost every night. We rarely ever miss those. And you know what? So many of those nights, man, it's just full of love. And I'm just like, oh, this is great. But there's definitely nights when it's not. There's nights when it's a lesson on self-awareness for good old me. (laughs) 
that can only happen because of the consistency of what we're doing. And the same is true for us, church. The rhythm and consistency of groups, it's important. Groups are communities unlike any other in our city. They're an opportunity for us to grow with one another, to spur one another on towards good works, towards love, with humility, with gentleness, but with a challenge from God. Life together is hard, but man, when it's clicking, when biblical communities are cultivated, it is so, so worth it. So get in a group and be the spur. Let's pray. Jesus, we declare that you are a good father. We love you. Jesus, we thank you that we were created to be in community, that you use us, one another, to challenge, to grow one another, Lord. And I thank you for the people that are in this room and the people joining us on live stream, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just allow some of us to be the spur. And I believe that there's some, even in, in, in this room today, that they're actually encouragers. And that gift of encouragement that they have has laid dormant for a while. I just pray that you would raise those people up again. That we would have encouragers in our group. That we would have people that just challenge and love one another in deep ways. Lord, we want to grow closer and become more like you. So would you give us peace and patience together to fight for unity, to maintain it, to be together, and to grow one another closer to you. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.